The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Right now, as you've been hearing on 630 Chad over the past 24 hours, Alberta has seen a spike in the number of cases of sexually transmitted infections in the recent years. As our Cassandra Jodoin tells us, particularly syphilis and gonorrhea. Alberta Health Services says the number of syphilis cases is 10 times higher now than in 2014, while gonorrhea cases have more than doubled in that time. Dr. David Strong with the AHS Communicable Disease Program tells Global News the rise could be because of the way people are interacting. It's either largely because people are either not using condoms as much as they used to or they're having more sexual partners or a combination of the two. So... We've had lots of changes over the last decade or so in terms of the sort of the online opportunities for for meeting people. So when you add all that together and then probably a bit of changes in perceived risk of getting STIs. Strong says Edmonton's downtown core has seen the highest increase in the number of STI cases. Anyone with a new or multiple sexual partners is encouraged to get tested. Cassandra Chaudoin, Global News. Thanks, Cassandra. Well, joining me in studio is the Director of Public Engagement at HIV Edmonton, a friend of the show. We haven't seen her in a while, though. It's Laura Keegan. Hey, Laura. Hey, Jalen. Well, thanks for coming in. Thank you. First off, I'm I'm guessing that you're not surprised to hear some of these numbers, given the business that that you're in. No, no, sadly. I mean, I always wish I could be more surprised (laughs) when um, when we speak to people, but we're really not. The the rates have been going up and and it's not actually new the rates are getting larger uh-huh. um, but there's been a there's there's been an epidemic for a while now and 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 why do you think that is do you think that folks maybe became a little a, a few things i'm guess complacent um, thought that oh it's again the usual it's not it's not going to happen to me um, i i'm guessing i'm going to start with those two I don't know. I mean, I I think if the head of infectious diseases in Alberta doesn't know the answer, I'm going to hesitate, but I don't either. However, I think you're right. I think that there's a few variables that come into play. I think that there is somewhat of a complacency around um, the fact that they've been so treatable. So I think what we're looking at now, and not meaning to scare people, because we know scaring people isn't a great tactic, but um, we have... It it is getting a bit scary now with um, you know multi drug resistant uh-huh. strains of gonorrhea of syphilis and seeing sadly the outcome with pregnant women that haven't been tested and who are having um, stillbirths or having problems with syphilis like I think that's where. Um, there's been, it's always treatable, so is it a big deal that you have an STI? Uh-huh. And so I think some of that complacency can come into play. I think also just, um, I'm not sure about the increase, but human behavior is, I think we can all address that sex without a condom is better. Uh-huh. I mean, let's be real and let's talk true, is that it is better, um, but it's it also comes with a level of risk. And there's also a level of conversations yeah. that perhaps are not happening. So so just, you know, heads up, Chadville, at, at 341, as we have this conversation right now, we are going to be talking uh, uh, about, you know, about condom use. We are going to be talking about having some of those conversations. So if you're not comfortable with that, 
I'm going to urge you to listen, <laughs> number one. Number two, uh, but if you're not, I understand as well. So if you want yeah. to come back in a little while uh, as well, but we're going to get real about this because I think um, this is a part of, of, of the problem and it can be a really important part of the solution as well. And we know, um, you know, sometimes some people don't even know that they that they are infected um, with whatever whatever range of it is it could it could be it could be HIV it could be syphilis it could be gonorrhea it could be uh, herpes it could be genital warts whatever it is you might not even yeah. know about it and um, you know talking about your sexual partners the number talking about condom use is a huge part in uh, lowering the risk of transmission yeah I mean we talk we've been talking about condoms for a really long time and I'm sure people are tired of hearing about condoms mm-hmm. and in HIV specifically and yep. only regarding HIV we do have some other prevention options however those prevention options like pre-exposure prophylaxis which is a one-a-day pill that prevents HIV mm-hmm. transmission treatment as prevention which means means that people who are on treatment become undetectable, which makes the virus untransmittable. So we have things in HIV. Those things don't apply to the general STIs. Uh-huh. So they don't apply to syphilis and gonorrhea. So really the only the only option we have um, is condoms, mm-hmm. unless we talk about, you know, I mean, obviously abstinence yeah. and other yeah. things. And um, I mean, abstinence works if you don't have sex, if you don't want to have sex. Um, but we just know that we're sexual beings and that, that that doesn't really match for most of the population. So we need to look at some other options. Laura, on the, on the HIV front, boy, there's been some staggering moves forward mm-hmm. in the past number of years. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, to, to loop it back, actually, we've had the science and technology has come so far in HIV. It's just, it's absolutely incredible, which isn't that unusual with infectious diseases. The, the science moves quite quickly versus something like cancer or MS mm-hmm. and things like that. So um, it's quite normal. Malaria is moving, making headway. Ebola, we got to you know, Mm -hmm. we got a cure right away. So infectious diseases do move quicker, but in the same hand, the stigma is really what is slowing things down and and really makes it difficult to live with HIV. And to loop it back to the STIs in in Alberta, specifically in Edmonton, Mm -hmm. which are very high, um, you know, the stigma and... (laughs) It sounds silly that people might think, oh, it's stigma, but people are so, they feel ashamed to talk about their sexual health. They don't talk about it the same way. They say, I have to go to get you know, a dentist appointment uh-huh. or I have to do this. It's something that we think is shameful or that many people feel ashamed about. And so to ask someone, have you had um, STI testing? Have you had an HIV test? It's really hard for people to do. So although the act is simple or getting a test is is simple, we say, but it's not easy. You know, it, there there's other challenges, especially if um, you're in different populations where maybe you haven't grown up having those conversations or you've been in a long-term relationship or things like that where maybe you're moving into a different stage of life. Laura Keegan joining me in studio. She's the director of public, uh, public engagement at HIV Edmonton. And we, we grabbed Laura and said, come on, talk to us, uh, will you? Because um, a, a number of these stories have been out in the past couple of days about the number of cases of sexually transmitted infections. Um, that There's been a spike in them, especially with syphilis and gonorrhea. And we just thought, okay, well, we can you, you can crunch all of those numbers all you want. But the really important part thing, you know, I, I believe here is, is, is having conversations. Mm-hmm. And so... <clears throat> 
Those conversations, though, can be very, very difficult uh, to have. So let's start with, you know, and I guess they're kind of all the same. It's just about being being honest. Um, you know, um, I'm just trying to figure out how to say this um, at 3.50 in the afternoon. Um, <laughs> and you're probably better at saying it. Okay, so... Um, how do you have that conversation to start with? You've started dating someone, whether you're 20, 30, 50 years old. Mm-hmm. How do you start having that conversation? If you want to have, a, have it about sexual health and, and where you may uh, fit on that spectrum. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's always challenging and people have different comfort levels with themselves and with other people. Some people are really open and can just be like, hey, have you had an STI test? What's up? What's happening? Other people, that's going to be a really hard question. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that I've talked to people about, uh, one of your guests had mentioned apps, but one of the things around smartphones and so much of the online conversation is that um, it is actually a way that maybe you can distance yourself from asking the question because you asked it over text or something that maybe um, it allows you to ask it ahead of time mm. so you're not asking it when you're really hot and bothered and actually want to have sex because mm-hmm. that makes it really hard to have that conversation. Well, it's, it's hard to have the, yeah. the conversation <laughs> at that time. You need to have the conversation before you get to that point. Exactly. And or making sure that you you yourself are in control of, of having a protected um, sexual experience, whatever that looks like. Um, so there are different ways that people can do that. Uh, we mentioned a few, but also it's it's not always easy to negotiate condoms or things. I think, like I say, I don't want to be some sort of sexual health educator that's like, this is all really easy because it's not. And it does take practice. So we talked about people entering the dating world after maybe being married for 30 years. And suddenly they're like, I'm dating and I'm dating off an app and Mm -hmm. I don't know what is going on. And how do I have these conversations? And I didn't have to have them the first time round because HIV might not have been a thing then. Mm -hmm. And it's really challenging but um, I think the only way we can do it is to, to practice and kind of normalize. And if the best way to practice, practice on your best friend, say, I'm going to ask you some really awkward questions so that I can practice saying the words mm-hmm. out loud, hearing myself mm-hmm. ask. Because some people haven't even said HIV or STI out yeah. loud. Yeah. So how do you say that then in the moment where you really want to be with this person or you, whether it's just for sex or a relationship? And so being able to, to actually get there. But sometimes, um, you know, the apps have have changed how we do things, but it also might make it a way that people feel safer to ask that question ahead of time. Having the conversation, if you have an STI, and you know, getting to that point where you're comfortable um, with with that again, that's got to that's got to be a, a, a challenging experience. And I mean, because there's a there's a trust thing. You're putting something out there. Absolutely, um, but you also have to think if. If you're not in a position where you can trust to have that dialogue or have this, this is going to sound prudish, but it's like, should you really be having sex with that person? You know, if you don't feel that you can even have any of those dialogues. If you're going to be doing like one of the most personal, yeah, yeah, consensual sex, yeah, not in a situation where people can't have those because of violence or power difference. Yes, but just dating life kind of thing. But if you're going to do what is, you know, the most personal thing really that you could do, you should you should be able to have that conversation with that 
person yeah, that and yet that's with. probably the that's hardest a, person to have that conversation yeah. with. One of the things we talked about people not knowing their status, whether mm-hmm. that's HIV status or, or other STIs. Some STIs are quite visible. It's pretty easy to know you have an STI. Others are less so, right? Others are not visible. Um, and one of the things that would really make a difference, I think, um, from our perspective in sexual health, would be to really have it normalized from teenage life at, from your physician. So at a certain age, I went in and my doctor said, okay, Laura, it's time for you to have a mammogram. Mm. And they just tell you it's time to have this test. It's time to that we check you for diabetes, whatever. Yeah. And they drive that conversation. They don't wait for me to come in and say, hey, I think this is important. They tell me it's important and you've hit a certain milestone in your yeah. life. And I think that we could change this. And this might be wildly unpopular with parents that are uncomfortable with this. But I think that physicians, if they start having that conversation at the time kids are you know, about 14 is say, you know what, we're going to, every year you come in, we're going to do STI tests. Yeah. You're going to have troubles with that one though, because you know, there's going to be parents and I want to know know. what's going on with my kids. I know that it's going to be wildly unpopular. However, I think that if we can get normalized conversations around testing, that it becomes part of an annual, even if it happened when you were 18 then. Mm I wouldn't, that to me is too late um, because there's been years that have passed. (laughs) However, I think even if it became something that people did as an adult, but where they are sort of, I think the medical community, excuse me, community has been, has been non-responsive in regards to our sexual health. Mm. It needs to be as important as the rest of our health. And I think a lot of physicians are almost equally uncomfortable talking Uh about people's sexual health and we look to them as professionals and I think that if they could say you know every year you come in we're just going to check these boxes you're getting blood work done for this we're just going to do it all and if they talked about it in that very calm and normalizing manner I think we'd see a lot more people get tested and we would see a lot more treatment happening early on which then decreases the transmission because you get tested early. We're seeing STI rates in seniors going up and again, you know, maybe your your partner's died, whatever it is, and you're kind of back out there and they're not having these conversations mm-hmm. at all. No, well, we've we've been working with Sage actually. Awesome. So supplying them with condoms, they've been really open. They've got an um, occupational therapist that's been working with us that was actually a practicum student at HIV Edmonton and then moved over to work there. And it's been a really interesting uh, partnership to be able to say, hey, wow, how can we... How can we be proactive with an older community? We've worked with nursing homes, um, all kinds of areas, because we're also the people who are okay with speaking about it. And... um, and they didn't have issues. They, they're not going to get pregnant. They're not thinking that way. They're not on birth control. Uh-huh. So they think, well, you know, I'm free to freewheeling. Yeah. Here I go. And um, so we just want to make sure that they're freewheeling in a safe way. <laughs> in a, absolutely in a safe yeah. way. Yeah. Do you have that conversation as, 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 as children with your older parents? <laughs> do, you, do you flip the tables at all if the time comes? Well, uh, for I th- I think that it's not a bad conversation. I'm you to might, have. but <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not your average person. I also didn't grow up in an average home. My okay. dad's a doctor, my mom's a nurse, and okay. I grew up sort of with a harm reduction method, yes. and sort of I was very lucky in that I had open parents, which I think leads me to be able to do this work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that uh, there are other people in people's lives. So if if it's not comfortable with you or that person, there are other people that can maybe have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's where education comes in. Conversations like this that 
address that things are scary and they're unknown and they're all these things and it's okay to be uncomfortable and a little bit awkward but it is important because it is still health we need to have the conversation you know it's at times you know (laughs) fairly awkward (laughs) (laughs) what does that say about our sex lives if we're calling it awkward but you know what I mean yeah (laughs) (laughs) if people need to find out some more information where are some good resources to go to Uh, well HIVEdmonton.com we do Mm -hmm. have a, a bunch of resources on our page that are in our resources section um, for older people yeah reach out yeah. to the folks at SAGE and also there's um, KD which is the um, Canadian AIDS Treatment Information okay. Exchange and they have a lot of information on a lot of different okay. areas so they're a great okay. resource if you can't laugh while you're having <laughs> oh. some sexy time then why bother <laughs> yeah, right? right it's got to be fun